Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. the Lord. Thankful for the spirit of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. We can feel and I concur with every word Brother Malone said. Sometimes you just need to be able to look at a solitary day and say, I'm going to win this one. We can be overwhelmed sometimes by the many others that follow just today. Sometimes it just takes looking at today. Amen. And being able to win this one. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Good to see everybody that's back in the house of the Lord. Amen. You've came out from underneath your sickness tent and and be able to be back in in the Lord's house. And we pray that our pause here this week has uh, helped that and helped uh, those that were healthy. And maybe we all uh, be able to go forward here maybe for a few days without tagging out. Amen. Being able to go forward uh, with with life. Uh, Also, I think it's important uh, to give... uh, to commend, I should say, uh, brother and sister Mason, Alex and Grace Mason, because Thursday night was winter jam. Friday night they were here at the church. Saturday was bake sale uh, till half the day, and they both work jobs, and that's quite an undertaking. Amen. To get in around 12:40 on uh, Friday morning and go to work and so on and so forth. And so we commend them. You might just touch them on the shoulder or on the elbow and just say thank you, uh, especially have any children that's involved in any of that. Amen. We appreciate them this morning. For Philippians chapter number three, Philippians chapter number three, going to start with verse number 12, amen, this morning and read a few verses. We probably got maybe beyond today, maybe a couple more Sundays in Philippians, amen, we'll see what the Lord does. Philippians three and verse 12, uh, the apostle Paul left off last week talking how that he might know the Lord and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings that he would be conformable unto his death. And he continues and follows this up in verse 12. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. That's a tongue twister for the New Testament. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended But this one thing I do, so there's a solitary focus even with the apostle, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, 
whereto we have already attained. Let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. And we'll read some other verses from this chapter as we go on today. Very simply this morning, I want to talk to you about attaining goals. Amen. Attaining goals. Paul uses a lot of uh, running language here, competition and running language here. And he had a goal that he was pressing toward. I want to talk about attaining them this morning. Father, I come to you today. God, we need, Lord, that same spirit that we have felt in songs, Lord, to bleed over, Lord Jesus, through the teaching of your word. Give us ears, Lord, to hear. Help our hearts and minds to understand, God. Lord, as we look to the scriptures, God, for in them we think we have life, and we do. God, I pray, oh, Lord, today, God, help us this morning. We'll give you the glory and the praise for what you accomplish in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. amen. You may be seated this morning in Jesus' name. Again, the Apostle Paul has just talked about how he desired to know the Lord. He had a goal in mind, something that he believed was attainable that he wanted to reach. That was to know the Lord and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. He talked to us how he wanted to experience that that resurrection and that resurrection that he was alluding to was not just the resurrection of his body someday after he had died, but he wanted to feel the power that raised Christ from the dead, that same power surging through his body as he walked upon this earth. And the great thing is the Apostle Paul had achieved those things. He had experienced those things in his life. But what we oftentimes say from the pulpit is this, is that our repentance and our baptism and our infilling of the Holy Ghost, all of those things absolutely are essential and they are important but those things are just a real good starting point and they're not the finish line. They're a good place to start. They're a good place to begin our journey, but that's not where it's all finished. It's not as though I repent, get baptized and fill the Holy Ghost and it's like, you know, that's it. Said and done. We, we have a growth. That's our birth certificate. We have a growth in the Lord and growing in the things of the Lord. Amen. That will carry us on to our finish. So as we mature and as we grow, amen, this should take place in our Christian lives to help us move forward little by little. And that's the reason why the Apostle Paul says emphatically, he says, I've, I've, I've not attained. I've not attained to full maturity in Christ Jesus. I'm not attained, if you will, to this epitome of, of crossing the finish line. Even perhaps a little better said, Paul's basically conveying to us that he's not appropriated his experience to the fullest measure. And what I mean is, I've received the gift of the Holy Ghost, but I've not allowed that gift to have full play in every area of my life. I've not yet attained to that and so Paul's saying I'm not there yet Paul's saying this to us and this should give us a little bit of encouragement this is the apostle Paul right he's telling us this I've got room for improvement wow he's still working out brother Mason he's still working out his salvation He's still, as the Bible admonishes to do so he's still exercising himself unto godliness 
the righteousness that Paul's received, and he's made mention of this in Corinthians. He says, this righteousness that I have received, I've received from the Lord. The Lord has imputed it to me. The Lord has laid it on me. Yet, in other places of the scripture, he still says, I, though, still need to cleanse myself from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting the holiness in the fear of God. He says, God has put his righteousness on me, but there's still some things I need to do too. Amen. Which is important for our Christian lives. And what even kind of stamps this a little bit more prominently in my spirit this morning is that this is the Apostle Paul, but the Apostle Paul is stating these words about 30 years after he's been converted. He's been walking with God for 30 years. He's had the power of his spirit for 30 years. And he steps back and says, I'm not quite there yet. Amen. He counts himself to not have attained or arrived at the completeness or the full maturity of Christ Jesus. And he follows all that up of his admission of saying, I'm not there yet. And then he says, I follow after. In other words, I press on. I'm not there yet, but I'm not quitting on my journey. I've not yet arrived, but I'm continuing to take one day at a time, Brother Malone, and taking another step forward. So again, this morning, this should be an encouragement to us as a church. For some, it should be an encouragement. For others, it should be a challenge because we need to realize that 30 years into Paul's journey, he admitted he still had some growth areas. And so for some of us that are feeling down and out and overwhelmed, feeling like we need to be further along than we should be, and maybe struggling a little bit to get there, you got good, good hope this morning because Paul says 30 years into it, I still have some growth areas. But for the others, it needs to challenge us that the Apostle Paul is 30 years into his journey and he still admits, amen, that, you know what, I still have some places I need some spiritual development. Amen. I still have some, and the reason why that should challenge us is that sometimes we can come along in our Christian journey, 30 years, 40 years, whatever it is, and believe we've already arrived. Amen. And believe we've reached the apex of our spiritual journey. But there's not a single one of us sitting here today or beyond here today that doesn't have any more room for growth. I felt this this week as I was studying because the problem arises here. I can be in my 30-year journey, look back on somebody's 10-year journey, and I can accost them because they are not where I am. And I feel like sometimes that comes from a position because I feel like I've already arrived and reached the apex of my journey. But the fact of the matter is we all still have areas we can grow in and spiritually walk a little further in and press a little further. I'm not, I'm not reached it yet. I stand flat-footed with the Apostle Paul. I've not yet attained everything there is to attain. And let me tell you, let's just clear the air today, nor will we while we're still living in these earthly bodies on this earth. So it humbles me to think that the Apostle Paul will say, I'm still pressing, I'm still reaching after 30 years past his conversion. And here's what I've learned in my Christian experience 
Sometimes we don't seem depressed toward to go again, as I've said, that we believe we've already reached. We want to use and, and, and hold other people accountable to the level of where we reach. But the fact of the matter is we need to hold ourselves accountable to the level that Christ wants us all to reach. It's not the Bible admonishes. Paul does this. He says, they that measure themselves among themselves are not. Fill in the blank. Wise. They that measure themselves among themselves are not wise. Because the comparison isn't between me and Brother Malone. And the comparison isn't between me and Fred McGee. It's not me saying, well, you're not where I'm at. Or you're, you're looking at me and saying, well, you've not yet arrived yet where I'm at. No, no, no. It's all of us looking toward the Lord and saying, are we yet arrived where he's at? So we need to hold ourselves accountable. But with that, having been at that place, seeing that there's still, we need to strive and press on for more. Amen. One person might not be where you are. But again, none of us have yet attained. And so the important thing is, though we've not yet attained this, that we do not give up in pressing forward. Again, Paul's using running competition language here. Uh, he's speaking in terms of a race. Amen. And he's basically telling us that the race isn't finished until the race is finished. Amen. I've seen a lot of upsets, but the thing is, we're not in competition with one another. That's what we got to get out of our minds. We're not in competition with one another. I'm not in a certain distance in this race and looking over my shoulder and looking at Joe Blue behind me. <laughs> he's, he's 50 paces behind me. No, 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 no. That We're not in competition with each other. We're all trying to make the finish line. We're all trying to make the finish line. And the old song used to say, the race is not to the swift, but the race is he that endures to the end. You got to keep pressing. You got to keep going forward. It may look like in the scheme of where you are compared to somebody else, you're lagging behind. But the fact of the matter is, is when it's all said and done and the trump of God sounds, will you cross the line? Amen. Amen. The race is not finished till the race is finished. You've seen it. We've all seen it, particularly during times of Olympics. And Paul is using this verbiage in Scripture when he says that he presses forward or he follows onward. It is a Greek word that actually means that this individual is stretching, amen, stretching their body in the direction in which they are going. We've all seen it. People that come up on the finish line or in that last stretch, they turn on the heat. They're picking the feet up and they're pulling it down. And what do they all times do? They are spreading that chest forward because they wanted to make contact with that finish line. They're wanting to just finish strong if you and get through there Paul says I'm pressing on I'm stretching myself I'm stretching myself in the forward direction I'm going to, I've been in this for 30 years but I'm going to continue to expend myself as I go up forward in other words I'm not going to get lackadaisical after 30 years huh no the SV says it like this but I press on to make it my own this is that wordy part there in the, the 12th verse. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. The New Living Translation says it like this. I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. And so we have this idea in the Apostle Paul, and it's real wordy and it can be confusing. Paul desires to, the Bible says, apprehend the very thing or, or the very purpose Christ apprehended him, the Apostle Paul, for. In other words, 
Christ got Paul for a purpose. Christ snatched and grabbed Paul for a purpose. And so Paul says, the purpose that he grabbed me for, he pulled me out of sin for, he says, I want to achieve in Christ. Well, what is this purpose, Paul, that the Lord apprehended you for, that you want to apprehend for, that you want to succeed? Well, what is this? I believe he reveals it to us in Galatians and some of his other letters. But in Galatians 1 and verse 15, this is the Apostle Paul speaking to the church at Galatia. He says, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. Look at this now, the phrase in verse 16. He called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Yes, Paul had a call to the ministry. Yes, Paul had a call to be a preacher. But the first call that Paul had beyond ministry was a call to reveal Christ Jesus in his life. Paul says, I want to run this race because Christ brought me, Christ snagged me, Christ apprehended me so that I would show forth his life in my life. And he says, I want to keep running until that's accomplished. I want to keep striving until that's accomplished. He says a similar thing in Romans 8, 29. It's not up there today, but he told the Romans, the church at Rome, he said, church he said God wants you to be conformed to the image of his son that's what he apprehended you for that is his purpose and so Paul wants Christ revealed completely someone say completely Paul wants Christ revealed completely in his life and I can say this morning for all of us I would believe that at our stage of our journey right now wherever you may be all of us are showing forth glimpses of Christ's life in our life but we're all still in process every once in a while I look at my life and say I see a little Jesus there and there's other times I see well I see a little flesh there <laughs> Paul's not arrived but he says, if there's one thing that I believe I've obtained, if there's one thing that I believe that I've got right, it's been my willingness to forget what lies behind as I strain to go forward with what lies ahead. Paul, he said, if there's one thing that I've learned, I've learned this, I've got to let go of the past and I've got to reach for the future. Let me tell you, that's a hard lesson to learn. In a few different respects, that's a hard lesson to learn. Because some people are good at letting go of the past. They are. There's some that are really good at letting go of the past. But, but, but the faux pas for them is this. They don't ever reach for the future. And there are others then that are really, really good about reaching toward the future. But their faux pas is they're held back because they're still trying to hold on to the past. <laughs> and if you hold on to both, see, this is what Paul learned. If I hold on to both, you're no better than the knot or the flag at the middle of a tug of, ro tug, uh, a war rope. It goes this way a little bit. And it goes back this way. And it goes this way. You're going to find yourself seemingly in the same position. 
As long as you're holding the future and still holding on to the past. The best way to reach for your future is by releasing, or if you will, forgetting the past. Now listen, this is, this is, this is nothing deep. This is elementary. But it's hard to go forward in a straight line when you're looking for and longing for the past. I mean, unless you're really concentrating, it's hard. You've done it in driving, you do it in walking. Do this and do this for a while. And you're going to find yourself meandering. It's hard to walk in a straight line whenever you're always looking over your shoulder. Someone say amen. It's hard to do that. He says, you gotta, you got to let go of those things. The Bible says in Luke 9 and verse 62, amen, this is part of a setting of Scripture where different ones said to the Lord, he told them to follow him, and they would all, they'd all say with this beginning, let me first. One said, let me first bury my father. And the other one said, let me first bid, bid my family farewell. What, what, what it all came down to this, he said, no man, Luke 9, 62, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Why? Because the things of their past, all of these different things he's asking them to follow, the things of their past, amen, that they are looking back to, amen, uh, it's keeping them from fervently following the Lord. All right? Little notice here. Hebrews bears this out as well. Hebrews chapter 11, uh, the, the chapter of the faith, amen, and verse 15, it says, and truly, if they, the they is referring to Abraham and Sarah, all the patriarchs and matriarchs of old and others like them, if they had been mindful, important, mindful, which means to feel for a thing. They've been mindful of that country, the country it's referring to. For instance, for Abraham and Sarah is the Ur of Chaldees that Abraham was told to leave. It also, the country that it's speaking about is the Egypt that the Israelites were brought out of. If they had been mindful of that country, Ur, if they had been mindful of Egypt from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. You know what that's saying? He's saying if they always had their hand on the past of where they come from and always longed for that, pre-adventure there's probably going to come a space that they'll have an opportunity to go back to where they once came out of. He said, but in verse 6, he says, but now. He says, they desire a better country that is unheavenly. Whether God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he had prepared a man for them a city. So we got to forget. Now watch me right here. We got to forget what is behind and many times when we talk about the scripture, we usually talk about past failures, past mistakes, past flub ups, uh, where we were before we knew God, the past. We got to let go and forget those things that are behind. But let me bring this to you as well. We also got to let go of our past successes. Why? Because in our Christian journey, we can succeed to a level in Christ and again, feel like we've arrived. And say, I've done everything there need, needs to be done. And we're going to stay on that mountain. Because we feel like we have succeeded as a Christian. Huh? Paul says, I continue to press. He says, I continue. I've not yet attained. 
And so we got to let go of past failures, yes, but we also need to let go of some of our past victories because we need a victory for tomorrow too. Huh? You know, you know what tripped up? You know what tripped up Gideon? What tripped up Gideon in the last years of his life? Yeah, he was the mighty man of valor, and the angel come and spoke to him, and they had great victory with just 300 people. It was like, yay, raw. But they had all this victory, and they got spoils from, from the camp of those whom they spoiled, gold and silver and things like that. And you know what Gideon said? He said, you bring all that to me. And he, they brought it, and he made an ephod out of all that metal. He, 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 he melted it down and made an ephod, set it in the city. And you know what happened? People started worshiping that ephod. And that, listen to me, that ephod was nothing more but a symbol of their past victories. Of their past victories. You know what they, they felt like they had arrived. They arrived to the place that they stopped and they sinned over glorifying something that had happened when there was still stuff to happen. Mm-hmm. Amen. And so we got we to gotta release, we got to let go of those things that are behind. I, I don't want a certain point in my journey to become a stumbling block to me to keep me from venturing any further because I feel like I, I, I've now got the, the feather in my hat. Brother Mason, and so, some of those, there's a book out there and the statement is true for this morning. Good can be an enemy of great. Satisfied with just the good can keep you from achieving the great. Well, glory. (laughs) And so this pursuit that we are involved in is this. To be like Jesus. To be like him. This is not some generic trip. The word that is used here, he says in in verse 14, I press. Amen. This 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 is translated from a Greek word. And the Greeks oftentimes use this word, Mike, to describe a hunter that is eagerly pursuing his prey. A hunter that is eager. What's he doing? He's staking out. It's according to what state you're in. Some can chase and run after. I'm serious. They can be on the ground with their guns and they can do that. There's places in Louisiana like that. And they can even run things to have it come around to their side. They can do this in certain states. And, but nevertheless, it is an eager pursuit. This is not a generic trip. We are in a eager pursuit. And Paul is urging the Philippian church. He says, this is the way that we ought to order our lives. We should be in an eager, someone say eager. We should be in an eager pursuit. And he says, and if we're not, he said, God will reveal it to us and convict us. God will. God will. Now, some of us might ignore and say, God never did that to me. But he did when you felt that little, that little thing in your spirit. That if you ignore over and over, you become callous too. God will convict. God will reveal. Sometimes he does it through a spoken word. Sometimes he does it through a message, a teaching. Sometimes he does it through a song. Sometimes he does it through people that's saved and people that's unsaved. He'll reveal it. He'll convict us. Because if our goal and our purpose is to grab a hold of what God grabbed us for, amen, to reveal Christ, then we ought to order our lives with the actions of letting go and pressing toward the future. Look, this is what the Message Bible says. It says this, if any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, 
God will, will clear your blurred vision. In other words, Paul's saying, if you're not like-minded as the Lord, if you're not like-minded, God will convict us. God will make it clear to you. And he says, if we're, not, if, if we're not that type of mind frame that we should be, if we're some type of other-minded, then we need to get on the right track because this being other-minded kind of works both ways. We still need to press if we think we've not went far enough. Amen. And we also need to press if we feel like we can't make it because here's what I see that happens in a church setting. Some say, I can't go any further, meaning they achieved it. But then there's other people that say, there's no use in trying because it's like I'll never get there. And Paul's talking to both of us. He's talking to the ones that believe they've already arrived, and he's talking to the ones that say, I can't. He's saying, press on. Either way, we got to stretch forward. If conforming to the Lord is, is completing our task and reaching our goal, then we need to press forward. We will grow if we press forward. If we, if we go toward the same mark, and note in the Bible, we must get toward the same mark by the same rule, by the same mind, by the same way that we've walked to get us to where we are. Is someone hearing me? That's what the Apostle Paul is saying here in the Scripture. Amen. Let's look at it. In verse number 16, he said, let us walk. He said, nevertheless, whereunto we have already attained. He said, let us walk by the same rule and let us mind the same thing. He says, the way that you've been walking and the way that your mind frame has been has got you to where you are on your journey with the Lord. He says, keep that same mind, keep that same rule, and you'll go further than where you are right now. But if you change the rule and you change... Someone hear me this morning. We cannot deny what we've been called to and experience. We must continue our walk. We must order our lives by them. I, I use this scripture a lot. Highlight it if you want to. Galatians 3.3, 3, Paul speaking to the church at Galatian. He says, are ye so foolish? Having begun in the spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? He says, you're trying, you're trying to complete differently than how you started same rule same mind got you here and it'll take you the rest of the way home the complete jewish bible says it like this only let our conduct fit the level we have already reached so what is god is to where we are if we continue we'll get us further along on this way same mind same things listen to pastor very closely but there is, there is a digression when our conduct, listen to me, fits a level below where we've reached. When we've reached a certain level, but our conduct and lifestyle is below where we reached. You know what starts to happen then? Digression. Downward spiral. He says, but if you had the mind and the things that got you here, if you maintain that, that's going to get you a little further and a little further. He says, but anytime your actions are below where you're standing is, digression. Someone say amen. He says, so we got we to keep up. We got to keep going. We can't. Listen, folks, don't go backwards. This, this is not a time to go backwards. This is not a time to slack up. 
I got my glasses on this morning, but if I, I see right, the finish line is well ahead. It's not time to back up. It's not time to grow slack. It's not time to be cold or indifferent or lackadaisical. It's not time to hang our harp on a willow. It's not time for any of that. Somebody needs to stretch their chest out. Somebody let all their members in the forward direction. Philippians 3, verse 17. Let me read through 21, the end of the chapter. Brethren, he says, be followers together of me, the apostle Paul says, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an, insa- an ensample. Parenthetically, he says in verse 18, for many walk of whom I've told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who mine earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself." Here's what Paul's saying in verse number 17. The Message Bible says it like this. He's telling them, keep track of those you see running this same course and headed for this same goal. The New International Version says it like this. Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Woo. Oh, God. Amen. He's saying, Paul's saying, follow me. He's the pastor there of the church. He's saying, follow me and know also those that walk the same way I walk. Also note those that walk similarly to the way that I walk so that you'll have some samples to follow. Brother Fred, he could just as easily be referring back to Timothy that we've already spoken of. And Aphrodite that esteemed other people better themselves and hazarded themselves for the sake of the gospel. He's saying, you, you pick you out some folks that you know have the same mind and the same rule, walk in the same direction that's pressing. And he says, you follow them because they'll provide a proper pattern, amen, in order to emulate a proper pattern in order to set your life by. Father, follow and observe them because, because, Not every pattern and example there is is acceptable. I'll throw in there, nor is it biblical. Paul's saying, consider where you get your cue from. Consider where you get your cues from. Oh, the famous last words of some folks is this. But so-and-so does such-and-such. But they, well, I think Paul's dealing with that a little bit in the Philippian church too. And he says emphatically, and listen, he's not mean or condescending when he says that. He tells them, folks, some walk as enemies of the cross. The Passion Translation says it like this. He says, for there are many who live by different standards. Many have conducts that prove that they are enemies of the cross. No, 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 though. Again, Paul is not being mean-spirited here. Whenever he states these words, look what the Bible says concerning the apostle Paul. When he says this, he says, I've told you before and I tell you even now. How? Weeping. He's not being mean-spirited. He's not being haughty. 
He sorrowed, Brother Terry, because there's folks that's enemies of the cross. Because you got to understand where Paul's at. This is the guy who says, I count everything else lost as dung for the cross. You know how that's tearing his spirit? He's weeping about this. Matter of fact, if I could say, he's mirroring real well the attitude of Jesus as Jesus maybe for one of the last times stood and looked down upon Jerusalem and he wept over Jerusalem and says, oh, Jerusalem, how oft I would gather thee as a hen gathers her brood under my wings, but ye would not. No arrogance there. No mean spirit there. There's someone that's deeply concerned because somebody is an enemy of the cross. And so this is hard for the Apostle Paul. But we might ask ourselves, and I know I did whenever I read this a gazillion times in a gazillion different versions this week, what does it really mean to be an enemy of the cross? And the verses answer it for us. Paul is saying there are some that don't walk by the same rule. There are some that don't walk by the same mind as they had before. They are enemies of the cross. Who are they? And this is the the description there in your Bible in verse number 19. Whose end is destruction. So it tells us their destiny, then it tells us why. Whose God is their belly. Whose glory is their shame. Who mind earthly things. He says their God is their belly. We talked about this some last week. I kind of went on a tangent and jumped on it. Talking about how our lives are driven by our appetites. And I'm not talking about your cheeseburger and fries and your Happy Meal. I'm talking about your desires, your wants in this real earthly life. He says their God, they're driven by their own desires. They're driven by their own appetites, their lusts, their appetites. I shared the verse with you. We didn't put it on the screen this morning. I think I sent it, Romans eleven nine. 9. You can also find it in Psalms where David first said it. The, the, Paul said in Romans, David saith, let their table be a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a recompense unto them. He's talking about their appetites, their fleshly appetites. If you don't watch them, they will be a snare to you. They'll be a trap to you. He says those who are enemies of the cross... Their God is their own desires. Their God is their own desires. And then he says, the New Living Translation says it like this, they brag about shameful things. They brag about shameful things. J.A. Mocher said it like this. He said their sense of values justifies as allowable things which it ought to condemn. Say that one more time. Their sense of values justifies as allowable things which it ought to condemn. In other words, they give themselves to their desires. They give themselves to the God of their belly, so to speak. They give themselves to their appetites, and then they justify why it was acceptable. Consider Ezra here for a moment this morning. We doing all right? Consider Ezra. When Ezra had came back and they had come back from captivity and there was a group of them that came back from captivity and they were allowed to go back to Jerusalem and the building of the walls and the gates and the temple and the altar and all that. Whenever Ezra came back, he found out that there was a group of Israelites that had came back from captivity and guess what? They were doing some things that was according to the people in the nations of other countries. In other words, they were not living like Jesus. (laughs) They had adopted some of the ways of the nations around them. Some of the things were they had intermarried. 
And then before someone, oh, Brother McGee, whenever the Bible many times is admonishing someone, an Israelite, not to intermarry with like a Canaanite or a Hittite or something like that, it has nothing to do with nationality. It has nothing to do with skin color. It has everything to do with their religion. It has everything to do with their allegiance to God because he didn't want a Canaanite that served this pagan God to join up with an Israelite that served the God and the one that served the God then dilute all of that and just start following a pagan God. Had everything to do with their religion. And so he found, Ezra, when he went back, he found people were intermarrying. They were compromising their allegiance to God. Amen. They, they didn't separate themselves from the people of the land. And so here, here is a man, Ezra. Here is a man that is pressing. This, not depressing, pressing. This affects him deeply. Ezra 9 and verse 6. And it said, Ezra said, oh my God. He probably didn't say it like that, but oh my God, I am ashamed and blush to lift up my face to thee, my God, for our iniquities are increased over our head and our trespass is grown up into the heavens. Ezra, he's a scribe. He's taken down the letters of the law and he stands almost like the apostle Paul does in his day and says, we're not there yet. Ezra knew that the type of conduct that they were practicing was not conducive to revealing the attributes of God in their life. Can I tell you, he knew the Israelites were not following people and examples that had the same pattern that he did. Now take that story and compare that with a group of Israelites who were also not walking by the same rule or minding the same things in Jeremiah's day. And look at the difference. Jeremiah 6 and verse 15. Were they ashamed? These are people that's doing crazy stuff too, you know, living below the level that they attained to. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed. Neither could they blush. Therefore they shall fall among them that fall at the time that I visit them. They shall be cast down, saith the Lord. Now listen, listen. It is a very dangerous place to get in. Whenever you glory in shame, when you justify unholy actions and unsanctioned things, let me state it differently. It's very, it's very scary when we go down roads and paths where we live below what we've attained to and we don't care. And it doesn't affect me. But it does. Paul says, such like are enemies of the cross. And at the stage they are right now, their inheritance in the end is destruction. Do you know, listen, do you know the first thing that the Lord said after Jeremiah gave this, that the people were not ashamed and they didn't even blush? You know how it is. Some people you embarrass easily, right? Their face turns red. It's like, ah, ha, ha. These people, it didn't matter what you brought up. Their face wasn't turning red. They weren't embarrassed. They weren't convicted. The very first thing the Lord says after this verse, it's in verse 16 of Jeremiah 6. He says, this is what the Lord says. He said, stand ye in the ways and see and ask 
for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk bare in. What are you doing, Lord? I tell you what I'm doing. I'm telling them to go back to the same rule that had got them to a place. And go back to the same thing that had got them to a place. The complete Jewish Bible says it like this. That these people are proud of what they ought to be ashamed of. Since they are concerned about the things of the world. The Amplified Classic Version says it like this. When it says they mind earthly things. It says they are siding with earthly things. I got. I just share a couple of scriptures. But let scripture interpret scripture for you. That's dangerous. James told us in chapter 4. A friend of the world is what of God? You all Bible scholars today. A friend of the world is the enemy of God. First John 2 tells us plainly, love the world and the love of the Father is... You all been... Aren't you just keeping up with your year in the Bible plan, aren't you, this year? Amen. Hallelujah. Love the world and the love of the Father is not him. What are you saying? It's dangerous to side with earthly things. It's dangerous to be mindful of earthly things. The Apostle Paul tells us in another place of Scripture. He said, set your mind on the affections above. Set your mind on the affections that are above. Not on what's below, on what's above. And whenever we say set, you know what that implies? That implies you got the choice, you got the power, you got the authority. He doesn't make them, he admonishes them. Do what you can do, set your mind. So I'm going to win today, brother. I'm going to win today, Brother Malone. I got up this morning. I talked to God. What are you doing? I'm setting my mind. I'm setting my direction. I'm pushing forward. I'm taking another step. I'm living by the same thing, the same mind, the same rule. I... Yes. I'm trying to attain a goal. Look now. Paul, Paul contrasts. Look at the contrast here. And he does this for our purposes, really. No other purpose. But Paul contrasts these enemies of the cross with himself and others like him that, 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 have, that have made striving their way. So that those that are striving, those that are pressing, and those that are not, look at the comparison between the two. On one hand, you have people that mind earthly things. On the other hand, you have Paul that's saying our conversation, our lifestyle, and our conduct is in heaven. One's minding earthly things. One's thinking about heavenly things. The other therein is destruction, it says, on one course. But on the other hand, the other people, the Bible says, they're looking for their Savior. One sends destruction. The other is looking for their, their Savior. On another hand, the Bible says that these people, their God is their belly. Or if you will, their God is their body. It's their flesh. It's their desires. And on the other hand, Paul says, I'm asking that God would take our vile body. Shh and change it into his glory. That's what Paul thought about this. He said, this isn't anything. This is vile. This is wicked. But I'm looking for him to change it to something that's glorious, to be like the Lord. That's been my goal ever since Christ reached out and grabbed me. That's his purpose for me. Christ's going to change our, our, vile, our vile body. Stand with me this morning. I'll, I'll wrap it up. Christ going to change our vile body into fashion like his glorious body and here's the fact and the hope that you have and can take to the bank he can achieve that he can do that because if as Philippians 2 says that he's been given a name above every name 
that the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess the things in heaven and earth and below the earth. If he can subdue all things, then he can change your vile body into a glorious body and subdue it when necessary. So what we're doing right now as the Philippian church, as the apostle Paul, however many years we are into this thing, what we are doing, we are awaiting our transformation of our bodies. Redeemed, yes. Had an altar prayer filled with the Holy Ghost, yes. But I'm waiting for the redemption, as the Bible calls it, of my body. When this old mortality, what, the trump of God shall sound, right? This mortal, we shall be changed, the Bible says. This mortal shall put on immortality. This corruptible, this vile body is going to put on incorruption through the power of God's Spirit. He says, our conversation is in heaven. And he's not talking about they didn't cuss. All right. He's saying our conduct, our lifestyle, our citizenship. Matter of fact, the meaning of the word is the place where one has, get this, the place where one has official status. Pilgrim and stranger I am. My life, my official status is not 732 Ficklin in Mount Carmel, Illinois. 62863. My official status, heaven. So I live here, but I live according to a different culture. Huh? And the Philippians could understand that because they were a Roman colony, which meant they adapted the speech, the lifestyle of Rome, though they weren't in Rome. They understood what it was like to be living in a country, but to be acting like a different country. He says, our conversation is in heaven. And when we reach that place, we will have been changed. And we will finally have attained the goal because we will be as he is. But until then, Sister Sheila, press on. Until then, let go of the past, both mistakes and the successes. And never feel like it's time just to mill over the same old ground. You've been called to a press. And we're continuing. We're continuing. Bishop and Sister McGee, years have been in the church. But you know what? They've not yet attained. They've not yet attained. They're pressing Onward. Can we bow our heads all across this place this morning? Attaining goals. People at the beginning of this year, no doubt, put some resolutions out there. And, you know, every day they wake up and here we're about through the month of January. And most statisticians tell you by the time the end of January come, comes to proving or not whether someone's going to stay true to what they've, what they've made mention of at the beginning of the year. But what, what proves the, if you want to call it success of a person that keeps with what they said on the last day of December, this is what I'm going to do in the new year, is if every day they make that a priority. Every day, in spite of how they're feeling, they go ahead. You ask Zach McGee and Bishop, gym membership at the first part of the year, man, they're thick around there. They're hanging in everywhere. 
by the end of the month of January, guess what? It starts getting a little bit more clear. Why? Some believe they just can't make it. Some believe they can't do it. But you know what? I'm here to tell you that this morning you can. You can make it. You can achieve that go. If you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, you got a spirit in you desiring and willing to help you take the next step on your journey. Just don't let each success, each mile marker become a stumbling block in a place that you just want to pitch your tent at because the finish line is still always ahead of you. If we stay with that type of mindset one of these days, our destruction will not be there at the end. We will have chosen to make God the God that we emulate and pattern our our appetites after and will not glory in things that we should shame and condemn and will not be mindful of this whole world. We'll be mindful of heavenly things. We'll be mindful of where we're going. We'll be mindful of where we are finishing. These altars are open to get today. Hallelujah. God, I want to attain the goat this morning. God, I want to attain. Help me, God, to press. As Brother Mason prepares the song, I want to press, O oh Lord. I want to follow hard after. God, let me to take my cue from the right places. Don't let me be distracted, God, by something that has no application to your word or to you. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord, to attain the goal. Lord, if just one thing, I, if just one thing I could get right, teach me, Lord, how to release the past. Lord, and reach forward and press and stretch forward the future, O oh God. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord, just to achieve another day. Help me, Lord, to grow. Help me, God, to mature in you. Help me to, help me to have a growth spurt, so to speak. Help me to have a growth spurt in the Lord. Help me, God, I pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll always be pressing. I'll always be running until this thing is called said and done. Until the race is finished, I'll always be running. I'll always be pressing. God, but I know you'll give me the fervor. You'll give me the energy. You'll give me the strength, Lord Jesus, to accomplish that. Hallelujah. Can we talk to the Lord today? Help me, God, to attain that goal. God, you saved me to be like you. And so, God, I want to run according to that plan. I'm going to run according to that purpose. I want to become what you want me to become. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.